Section five of Arthur Wayne Pinero Playwright. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Arthur Wayne Pinero Playwright. A study by Hamilton Fife. Section five. Sentiment. Respect for dates and convenience of arrangement both lead me to interpolate between the consideration of the farces and the serious plays of modern life some few words on Mr. Pinero's plays of sentiment. Perhaps sentimentality would be the more strictly accurate word to use. In Sweet Lavender, certainly, and in the weaker sex, the playwright sought to draw the tear that lies near the surface, to wring the feelings of those whose emotions may be easily stirred, the times is based rather upon sentiment than upon an entirely humorous view of life its sentiment is more wholesome and bracing than in either of the foregoing instances trelawney of the wells relapsed a little into sentimentality but it could plead as excuse that its fictitious date was that of a sentimental age in point of time the weaker sex was the first in point of interest it is the least of the four pieces thus grouped together the theme of a mother and daughter loving and loved by the same man is a difficult theme to handle with acceptance there is something in the idea so eminently distasteful to the mind of the average healthy person that a play dealing with it starts at a heavy disadvantage also it is difficult to reconcile such a situation with probability in this case philip leicester is obliged not only to have been absent from england for eighteen years just time enough for the daughter to be born and grow up but also to have assumed another name a poetical nom de guerre under which he is known to the young girl our sense of the reasonable and the likely is revolted as well by lady vivash's sentimental treasuring up of the memory of the man she quarrelled with eighteen years before the date of the play there are women who treat men badly she admits that she was wilful capricious cruel and then maunder over their bad behavior for the rest of their lives but the dramatist who takes a sane view of life ought never to treat such women seriously they should be shown as they actually are monsters of egotism going through life wrapped in a mantle of selfish complacency and self-consciousness indulging themselves with the luxury of a woe that has no existence save in their own trumpery imaginations put such creatures into comedy and let people laugh at them and go away feeling that you have cleared the air of a little cant but do not ask us to sympathize with their smug pretense of emotion with their endeavor to persuade themselves that they are vastly interesting persons consumed by a passion of which they know perfectly well they are by nature incapable of course mr pinero did not believe in his theme if he had he would hardly have provided the play with alternative endings for the provinces he made philip leicester marry sylvia after all in london the more rational conclusion prevailed if an unnatural situation can have any natural conclusion and philip passed out of the lies of both mother and daughter he does it in the most approved manner of the sentimentalist dudley oh philip is there no way but this philip none you know it dudley once my shadow is taken from the lives of these two women there will be light again i pray to time to do the rest time will bless some worthier man than i with sylvia's sweet companionship and then the first laugh from sylvia's lips will wake mary from her long dream 
cannot you hear the audience rustling for its hats and coats and umbrellas and murmuring to itself about getting out before the crowd oh sentiment what atrocities are perpetrated in thy name i suppose sweet lavender is the most popular of mr pinero's plays it is in many ways a delightful entertainment and it is perfectly easy to understand its attractions there is a great deal of fun in it and a good deal of tenderness and the characters are so pleasantly unreal that we judge them not according to our moral sense of their conduct but as beings who move in a world that is not governed by the hard facts of life as we know it the persons of the play are as charles lamb called those of the artificial comedy of the eighteenth century the fictitious half-believed personages of the stage and sweet lavender is a piece that allows us to escape from the pressure of reality its popularity is generally explained by a vague reference to its genial humanity and kindliness and sweetness i confess i fail to see the genial humanity of a man who ruins a woman and leaves her with a child to become a lodging-house drudge i do not discern the sweetness of a frowsy old barrister with no occupation but fuddling and scandalizing his neighbors i do not quite know that i duly appreciate the human nature of the young man who persuades himself that the daughter of the lodging-house drudge a child who so far as we see in the play has not an idea in her head will make him a suitable wife but then mr pinero having chosen such characters showed his cleverness by working upon the general fondness for unpleasant people who have some good in them after all and really with dick fennel he succeeded wonderfully well of course mr edward terry's talent for presenting eccentric types of character was of great service but dick fennel is a character out of which any actor of parts can make a good deal to a certain extent it plays itself the actor helped the author but he certainly did not make the play dick is too good to depend upon the personality of any particular player the old fellow is a genuine creation and the kind of creation you cannot help liking his reformation like mr wedderburn's remorse comes a little late in the day these third-act repentances always leave one in doubt as to how long they will last but then in this case at any rate we do not follow them out in thought beyond the fall of the final curtain thackeray outraged all right feeling when he wrote at the end of vanity fair come children let us shut up the box and the puppets for our play is played out but no one could resent mr fennel and pretty little lavender and mrs gilfillian and the charming many and the cool as a cucumber horse being called puppets for puppets they are though it must be admitted that they are uncommonly flexible in the joints and lively on the wire that is the secret of the enormous success of sweet lavender the frank unlikeness to life of the play as a whole the great skill of the playwright in making its details familiar and up to a certain point real plays that deal with the surface elements of life in such a fashion as to make the majority of people laugh and cry and as not to make them think will be always popular if they are written so cleverly as sweet lavender is written much more of the playwright's knack is needed to deal acceptably with a piece of this class than to handle a serious theme with sincerity the very earnestness of an inexpert dramatist will sometimes carry him through in the latter case unless you are by nature a sentimentalist you must write pieces like sweet lavender with your tongue in your cheek 
i am afraid i do not carry mr pinero with me when i put the times into the class of pieces depending for their interest more upon sentiment than upon humor in this introductory note to the printed play he says that in its design it is a comic play yet i am unrepentant to me the times appeals by reason of its sentiment and i fancy it appealed to most people in that way for look you we are not asked merely to laugh at mr edgerton bompass and his snobbery and cheap ambitions his wife is not drawn with the sole view of exciting ridicule and pouring contempt upon the figure that draper's wives cut in society no we are invited to extend to them a certain measure of our sympathy and what is more mr pinero compels us to sympathize with them percy edgerton bompass is very human and real almost all through mrs bompass is entirely real a clever study in a genuine woman bompass's unreal moments are few but he has them in the last act for example he is made to moralize in a preposterously lifeless strain i wasn't always as i am now it is getting on in the world that has ruined me i've thought of it all night through a self-taught man must always be a proud fool he has a double share of vanity the vanity of the ready pupil and the vanity of the successful tutor combined he is blown out till he bursts i say there ought to be a law to stop men like me from getting on beyond a certain point prosperity weakens our brains and hardens our hearts all true enough of a certain kind of parvenu but quite out of place in bompass's mouth it is the author speaking not the character but this does not occur often enough to spoil an admirably drawn figure no play that i know and scarcely any novel brings out the pathos of the new man's position in society more truly than the times the fruitlessness of all his strivings to take his place in a world that is not his the deceit and meanness into which his social ambitions plunge him the futility of all his efforts to make money do what money alone never can do that is to bestow contentment and happiness all this is shown to us without being too much insisted upon and we are left with something to think about when we have done laughing and the play is over many dramatists have pictured for us the dissolution of the man who will not believe until he has tried how much tis better to be lowly born and range with humble livers and content than to be perked up in a glistering grief and wear a golden sorrow no one who has attempted to do this with a light hand has done it more effectively than mr pinero and that is why i call the times a play of sentiment and not merely a comic play what is it that makes most impressions upon us in the times not the purely comic scenes but those in which tears lie not far beneath the humor this one for example at the beginning of the fourth act when all the bombast troubles are ready to come to a head at once the unfortunate percy has been up all night trying to find reasons for shifting his allegiance from the conservative side of the house to the irish party a change which he is compelled to contemplate on pain of having his private affairs disclosed by a reptile irish member mrs bompass old man do you remember twenty years ago when you just sold our business at kennington and bought the two shops which were to grow into our present colossal establishment bompass rather as if it were yesterday mrs bompass and do you remember how we sat down together you and i and drew up an announcement to our old customers 
our ideas used to flow in those days didn't they old man bompass i i suppose it was because we were younger both together sighing ah he sits beside her bompass but this was when we took a house at haverstock hill do you remember mrs bompass do i remember our first home this side of the water bompass sadly how we have got on since then mrs bompass haven't we it was a nice house though bompass you think so because we did so much to it ourselves mrs bompass i put up the short blinds in the bedrooms with my own hands i know that i preferred doing it bompass i hung every blessed picture in that house i can almost feel the blisters from the cord now mrs bompass i wonder what we would think of it all to-day if we could see it again bompass not much after this mrs bompass i suppose not we've got on so since then haven't we bompass rather both together sighing ah she gently puts her hand in his mrs bompass our first big half-past seven dinner party do you remember bompass oh lor yes clara never mind that mrs bompass well dear we were inexperienced then we gave them plenty to eat though eh bompass it took you half an hour to write each menu mrs bompass part of the food was sent in i recollect and part of it was done at home bompass it doesn't matter much now many that were there won't clatter another knife and fork but to this day i regret the part of it that was done at home that was the night too when we had one of our men from the shop with p bompass round his coat collar to announce the guests mrs bompass it seemed all right then bompass yes by jove it's astonishing how we've got on since mrs bompass percy old man do you ever feel you'd like to go back bompass back mrs bompass i mean to keep our experience but to go back to the contented simple part of the old times bompass it's no good wishing that clara when you've got knowledge you've got everything else it seems to me there's only one thing to do in this world to go on even if you're on the wrong road clara my dear get on get on even if bompass were merely ridiculous the times could never be an entirely comic place so long as mrs bompass remained in it there is a tragic suggestion about her the tragedy of a woman's life spoiled of her true instincts crushed of her capacity for happiness and content strained and twisted out of its natural shape she is a snob too but she is so mainly because she knows that the gratification of snobbish instinct is her husband's chief pleasure when they have secured the maharaja to dine with them she seconds percy in scouting the idea that they should ask their friends to meet him i should like the best people in london she says to which mr montague trumbull discreetly adds the best we can get she does not wince at the deception that is practiced with the object of making her son's foolish marriage seem to be something quite other than it really is but there is a point beyond which she cannot pass when bompass wildly declares that their policy must be for the future self 
and that they must throw over their friends if they find it necessary mrs bompass sees the pitifulness of such a resolve she has still left some of the feelings of honesty and loyalty that animate her daughter beryl she cannot persuade herself that a position in society is worth all that it costs she it is therefore who puts into her husband's head the idea of giving it up her first thought is always for her husband she is always ready with a cheerful encouraging word beneath her vulgarity there beats the heart of a true woman of the other characters trimble is the only one who leaves a distinct impression on the mind it is a clever sketch of the decadent aristocrat that mr pinero gives us there are numbers of trimbles to be found in these days acting as guides philosophers and friends to families of the edgerton bompass type as jackals to the husband as social counsellors to the wife the trimbles are what dumas fills called the vibrions of society creatures engendered from the corrupt artificiality of modern manners and morals one of montague's greatest troubles is when for the first time for nearly forty years he finds himself at eight o'clock not in evening dress by dwelling upon his little peculiarities mr pinero gives us a vivid portrait of this contemptible parasite he comes before us clearly with his insinuating manner his anxiety to please his habit of sucking lozenges his low cunning when difficulties have to be met his selfish annoyance when his ingenuity fails to avert unpleasant occurrences montague trumbull is a creation a valuable footnote to the social history of the period the moderate success which trelawney of the wells enjoyed was mainly a success de curiosite if it had not been dressed in the costumes of the crinoline period it would hardly have secured much of a hold upon playgoers you may say perhaps that if it had not been placed in this period mr pinero would not have written it as he did it is a fair retort yet it does not make my statement any the less true there was much that was amusing in the story of the actress of the mid-nineteenth century who left her own tawdry little world to marry into the great world and found that the great world bored her to death and went back to her profession and found that making believe could not satisfy after her taste of reality and finally was reunited to her lover and lived happily ever after there was a good deal that was tender too but somehow the humor and the tenderness did not mix very well it was a fairy tale and as such it ought to have kept our sympathies decidedly in one direction but in this somehow it did not quite succeed perhaps it was because the characters were so lightly sketched because we really knew so little about them yet this on the other hand was an advantage for if they had been more solidly blocked in mr pinero's dainty handling of them would have seemed insincere as it was the characters and the dramatist's treatment of his theme suited one another exactly and furnished a pleasant evening's entertainment and as this was what mr pinero aimed at furnishing it is both more courteous and more just to admit so much frankly and freely than to complain that trelawney of the wells is not very striking as a play if one is inclined to take the latter course the reason must be sought in the hopes that mr pinero had inspired by the character of the work which immediately preceded trelawney 
when a man has just created a paula tangeray and a mrs ebbsmith and a theo fraser it seems a little like retrogression to toy with a trelawney and a sir william gower but then this has always been mr pinero's way it is difficult to believe that he is greatly interested in any one form of drama more than in the others he has never taken a line and kept to it any kind of framework suits him so long as it gives free play to his talents for construction and for studying fine shades of eccentricity in character he appears to care more about the way in which his neatness of hand enables him to do things than about the things themselves ideas are acceptable to him less for their own sake than for the sake of the use to which he can put them in drama this i think explains much that is otherwise difficult of explanation in mr pinero's playwriting career the comicalities of the player folk in trelawney of the wells had more life in them than the sentimental side of the piece though more stress seemed to be laid upon the latter side by the author himself the ridiculous airs of the jean premier were laughably hit off the low comedian was a very amusing little creature the heavy tragedian and his wife represented a real type not altogether extinct even to-day the farewell dinner in the first act and the incursion of the soaked actors into sir william gower's drawing-room during the thunderstorm in the second were exceedingly funny but the two later acts had less attraction it was not easy to take much interest either in rose trelawney's love affair or in the efforts of the deserving young playwright supposed to have been modelled on t w robertson to obtain a hearing for his plays miss irene van Braw's performance helped to bring her to the front and mr dion brusico's strong sense of character made sir william a striking figure and the eye was taken by the familiar strangeness of the ladies dresses with their enormous hoops and their staring colours and their white stockings and flat-footed elastic-sided boots but there was little more in the piece to call for discussion nor is it likely to be reckoned among the plays which gave mr pinero his name end of section five